Well, Pastor Jared, great to see you. <laughs> Good to see you too. I'm great just adjusting a chair. Sorry it's about okay. that. I'm like, it's all right. He's in the right, right. spot. You're, I don't you're know. particular. I'm new here, right? Yes, so I'm it's just okay. trying to figure out what's it's going okay. on. Well, yeah. have a seat. Join hey, us. Thank you. Sounds yeah. good. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if you know, uh, but while I was in college, I actually worked in IT. I was a lab technician, which meant I get to work with awesome technology. And technology is amazing until it breaks. And then you're just like, it's broken. I need to call someone. So I worked at this business called Emulex. And at Emulex, people would call me and our IT department, and we would have to go fix different things that were going on wrong with computers. And I have some of my favorite stories of this time of my life because I heard things that people did that just blew my mind, <laughs> right? Uh, one person, uh, very high up, like CFO, CEO, I, I forget which one, called me into his office and he said, my fan on my computer is really, really loud. And I was like, oh, okay, so let me go up there. I noticed it wasn't making any noise. And I said, oh, it's not making any noise. He goes, no, I think I fixed it. So what'd you do? He said, I sprayed WD-40 inside of the tower. <laughs> I said, you're right. There's no more fan noise because there's no more computer. You just broke it. It's completely done. Uh, another person said they wanted to move files from one computer to another computer. So they got the mouse and they plugged it into one computer, right click, copy, yeah, unplug the sense. mouse. Mm. Plug it into the next one, right I mean, click, paste. Not at all how it works. This uh, should work that way, though. That, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, when people would call and ask how, you know, what's going wrong with their computer, I would say, is it on? And they'd say yes. Uh, sometimes, not all the time, it wasn't even plugged <laughs> in. Uh, but I would tell them, turn it off. Okay. And then turn it back on. Mm. Because you had to reset the system because there's a lot of things going on in the background. A lot of things that are weighing down the system, stressing out the system. And you just needed to pause, reset, and refocus. Mm. And I wonder if that's the same for us even in our lives today. I mean, you feel like you have so many things going on. I know sure. I do. Yeah. And we're getting into a new season where it might be time to reset. Yeah, absolutely. Which is really why we're here today, too. When you think about Sunday... Sunday, we like to say begin your week in worship. It's like a reset to your week, right? We, we need something like this, but even from like a, uh, if you're watching online, there's a hurricane. I don't know where you're at, but there's a, uh, is this a hurricane? Well, meh. Okay. Uh, there's, there's rain. <laughs> if okay. you've lived anywhere yeah. else but California. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but if you didn't know, at our Scripps Ranch campus, uh, we're having services outdoors right now. And so uh, pop-ups and electronics and wind and rain don't mix, okay? Yeah. Uh, and so we were talking uh, this past week. We're like, what do we need to do? We got to figure out a new plan. And so we had to reset all of our plans. And Pastor Marcus, you guys are so welcoming. Thanks for having us, by the way. Yeah, give uh, it up we for our Scripps yeah. Ranch campus, huh? It, uh, no one told you this, but Scripps Ranch is taking over your campus. There like, we go. Hey, all right, not, cool. Not just today. Like, yeah. no, just, just, thank <laughs> yeah, you exactly. for your building. We're um, moving to Scripps. Yeah, exactly. yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to switch. Yeah. Uh, but even more than that, right? Life, we, we always need resets. Um, even this upcoming week, this, this upcoming week is a big week for maybe your kids. Uh, they're starting school this week. San Diego Unified launches tomorrow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're like, yay. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, our kids started this past week, but fall in general, with, with new school, maybe your kids are at a new school, new teachers, new schedules, new rhythms, maybe you're starting a new job. Um, whenever I look at fall, fall is this natural reset button in our life. I know a lot of people think January 1st, I'm going to start all this new stuff. I really believe that September, fall, is when everything restarts. It's a new opportunity for us where you reset your rhythms in life. Um, and so our hope as we begin this new series today is that we're going to talk about how do we actually reset almost our priorities in life. Because the idea of a reset is that you would never go back to the old way of doing things. Is that you would reset so that you can bring in a new system of normal. 
Because I don't want to go back to my old habits. I don't right. know about you. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to go back to the old way of living. I want something new, something fresh, but it's going to require us to do some work. Uh, and so today we're beginning this series called Reset, and we're going to start with, I believe, what is the most important place to restart something? Uh, and that is in your mind. Everyone say, my mind. My mind. Your mind is so key. It's so important. When you think about how powerful your mind is, um, your mind creates thoughts, and your thoughts turn into actions, and your actions turn into habits, and your habits reveal your health. Which means whatever you're thinking about is eventually gonna turn into something that you see. And so we have to start with this reset of our mind, and I believe if we don't get today, the next three weeks doesn't really matter. Right? We gotta start here. Um, and when you look all throughout scripture, um, you don't ever see the word reset in the Bible, but we see this word renew in scripture. And uh, the Apostle Paul, which we're going to be looking at a lot of his writings, he talks a lot about renewing something. In fact, in, in Romans chapter 12, he says this. He says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. Which, just pause there for a second. Culture has a rhythm. And if you're not careful, you can e easily fall into the rhythm of culture. <laughs> He says, don't conform to the rhythm, the pattern of this world, but look at this. Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Why? Because then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and perfect will. When you talk about renewing of your mind, what Paul is ultimately saying is that we need a mental conformity to the truth of God. Right? And when that happens, a transformation happens all throughout your life. Uh, something after that goes. You have godly thoughts, which turn into godly actions, which turn into godly habits, which turn into a, a really healthy version of you. Um, and so we got to start with our mind, but the real question is like, how do we, how do we actually get there, right? Which right. is what we get to talk about. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of the question of the day is how does God want me to reset my mindset? Mm. And I begin to think, where are the areas of my life that I might need a reset, that I might need something to begin to change in my life? And let's start with just our relationship with God. And you may think, well, I don't know if I need to, you know, have a reset in my relationship with God. I love asking this question and asking myself this question. Was there ever a moment in my life when I felt closer to God than I do today? Then maybe I need a reset in my relationship with God. Maybe it's just in your priorities. Maybe there's so many things that you are doing and everything has become urgent and important at the same time. Therefore, nothing is urgent or important. Mm. I need a reset in my priorities. Maybe just in your relationships. You have good relationships, bad relationships, and some stressing and stressful relationships. And you're trying to figure out, God, what do you want for my life in these relationships or in my life group? God, what do you want for me and my family and my neighborhood? In my job, maybe you're looking for a job. You just lost a job or you're in the midst of a transition at a job. God, what do you want for me here? I want to reset my mindset because it's not about me. It's about what you want to do through me. So right now, if you know the area of your life that you need to reset, let's maybe take a moment just to... Ask God to be with us as we look to his word and see what he has to say mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. Because as Pastor Jared said, I think the most important thing for this season is not to resume what we did before. Not to resume our lives and our schedules as we had before today, but to reset, redefine, and refocus our lives and our schedules the way that God would design it. Mm. So if you have your Bibles, we want to turn to the book of Philippians. This is written by Paul. It's in the New Testament. So you're going to get past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're going to get to the first century church alive in the book of Acts. Then you're going to see the book of Romans and 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Then you're going to get to Galatians and Ephesians. And then right there after Ephesians, we'll see Philippians. And that's where we're going to be today. And what I love about Philippians is Philippians is essentially called the gospel expression of joy. And how many of us need some more joy in our life? Yes, Anybody? Please. Everyone's super joyful today. That's awesome. Okay, <laughs> I want some more joy in my life. 
Even if you feel like your joy cup is full, we could still have some more. And that's what we're going to read today, this, this idea of joy and what, what Paul is actually getting at. But what's fascinating that this is a, a book about joy, however, Paul is in chains. Paul is in prison at this moment because he's been accused of essentially blasphemy and worshiping the one true God instead of worshiping Caesar. And so he's accused, he's put on trial in Caesarea for two years. Then he gets on a ship to go to Rome because he's a Roman citizen. And while he's on that ship, he gets shipwrecked. Okay, if you're doing the things of God and then you get shipwrecked, who else would be frustrated? I'd be very frustrated. Paul eventually gets to Rome and he essentially tells the Philippians, I meant to go to Rome as a preacher, but I'm here as a prisoner still preaching. That's the kind of mindset that I want to have in my life. And so Paul, in chains, begins to write a letter to the church of Philippi, which was planted because he had this vision of someone who was going to ask him questions about God and wanted to see Jesus. And so he went to this area and started looking for that man. And what he saw was these women by the river. And so he went down to the river and started preaching about Jesus. There's a whole group of them, but one of them is the only one whose heart was fully changed by the message, gave their life to the Lord and started planting this church. Her name was Lydia. No matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've experienced, God wants you to be a part of his mission in transforming the world. So he writes this letter and he begins kind of how uh, history would tell us that letters are written at that time. You kind of introduce yourself as the sender, you call out the recipients, and you begin to thank God's lowercase g. But Paul, being a Christ follower, he says, I'm going to thank the one and only God. And you'll see that. Paul and Timothy, servants, which literally means slave to Christ Jesus. Because Paul believes you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. You get to choose. To all of God's holy people, he's calling them out. He says, you are the priests. You are the priesthood. You are the holy ones, the ones that are set apart and called out for a good purpose. That's you. He's talking to you. All of you. Not just some of you. Not just Marcus and Jared. He's talking to all of us in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. He says this word grace, which in the Roman culture they would say karin. Uh, Karin would be greetings, but he would change it to charis, which means grace. He says, I'm not just greeting you, I'm offering you grace because that's what I receive from Jesus. Verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you in all of my prayers for you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident in this, that he, he's speaking of God, who began a good work in you will carry it out into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, that verse, Pastor Jared read Romans 12, it says, don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a continual and a progressive transformation. Mm-hmm. We are all under construction. We're still in progress and still in process. Verse 7, it's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart, whether I'm in chains defending or confirming. He's defending is that word apologia. It's whether I'm defending the faith in the hope that I have when people are doubting it, or I'm confirming when I'm just up here preaching to people, you've been with me, and you share in God's grace with me. He says, essentially, God is my witness. He knows how much I long for you with the affection, the compassion of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in your knowledge of depth and insight. Oftentimes in Scripture, especially in the New Testament and Paul's letters, whenever you see knowledge or insight, what he's speaking of is a spiritual and biblical understanding and knowledge of who God is. And insight is a spiritual and biblical understanding of who God is that offers you a great discernment in the world that you live in. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed, that we would have more and more knowledge and discernment in that area. 
In fact, he even says it in verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He's like, I understand there's a lot of things going on. I'm in chains, but good things have happened. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. You see, for for Paul, as he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, he's letting them know, if if you want to reset, and as he's writing the letter to the church of Newbrick, you want to reset your mind and focus on what God has for us, it's going to start with your heart. It's going to start in the place where we need to be. Mm Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and starting with your heart and your mind, uh, I love what Paul does because he's, yes, he's in the process, but he has already gone through a lot of transformation where God has renewed his mind. And so he's trying to get the Philippian church to understand the same thing. And I love how he starts. He starts with gratitude, which is where everything starts with us. If you're going to reset your mind, you have to begin at the end of the day with gratitude. Now, gratitude is this idea of showing appreciation and offering kindness to other people, right? That's this idea of gratitude. And, and Paul ultimately starts in, in this verse. He says, I always, uh, I thank my God every time I remember you. Right? I always thank you for the joy that is in you. Uh, and what I love about who Paul is and what he is doing in this, it was very common in this time in a Greco-Roman writing, as you mentioned, you would start off with some sort of like Thanksgiving, right? Uh, but it'd be super simple, maybe a one-liner here and there. Paul does nine verses to express his gratitude to this church. Why? Because he loves these people. He absolutely loves them. And so he expresses this gratitude in a lot of different ways. But I want to show you something. Um, Let me ask you this question. Who or what is the source of Paul's gratitude? And a lot of people go, well, it's the church. He's thankful for the church. Yes, he's thankful for the church. But that's not the source. The source of his gratitude is God. He says, I thank God for you, church, right? He, he's not looking. Yes, he's thankful for all the stuff that they're bringing to him, but he's thankful to God because he is the source, meaning this, when it comes to Paul, it's not the circumstances that determine his gratitude or not. It's the one in charge of the circumstances that he is grateful for. Mm. And we can get this mixed up sometimes uh, where we look at our circumstances and it's hard to, um, to be grateful for the season we're in. But when you look at Paul, Paul's in prison, yeah. which sucks. <laughs> yeah. Paul's life has been horrible. We know that a few years after he writes this letter, Paul actually loses his life. He is a martyr for the kingdom of God. He loses his life, but what is his attitude through all of this? He says, guys, I am so thankful that I get to serve the creator of the universe. Do whatever you want to me. And I'm going, how do I get that? <laughs> Because um, even, you know, we're in this uh, season being outside. I shared a little bit of this with you uh, past week, uh, Tear Santa. Uh, we're in the season of being outside, and I have found myself, it's really easy to be ungrateful. Even like trying to figure out what we're going to do this weekend, it was like, God, why can't we just be in a building? That'd be fantastic. <laughs> we would love it. And I've, I've found myself um, being super ungrateful, stressed out, anxious, worried, and I complain a lot about it. Um, and when I look at really the, the circumstance that we're in, if you look at the big picture of life, really it's a minor inconvenience for us to do church outside. Mm. We live in San Diego, y'all. I know this is not normal. 
But there's people all over the world who are like, you get to do church outside? And meanwhile, I'm going, can't we just have air conditioning? Can't we have all of this stuff? And, um, and then when I look at Paul's life, Paul dies for his faith. I'll tell you what, I'm going to drive home today, and most likely, no one's going to try to kill me because I believe in Jesus, right? Church, we've got it made. Yeah. But we can be so ungrateful because circumstances are not going the way we want. Um, and so I, I'm working on something in my own life is really asking this question. I want you to ask this question in your life. Who or what is the source of your gratitude? If it's your circumstance, what happens when the circumstance goes away? You will no longer be grateful. Dangerous place to live. So we have to have God as the source of our gratitude. And I really love uh, this past series we did, the NB360 series, uh, which was so cool to be able to travel to all the campuses and speak and see what God is doing in, in the different campuses. Um, but a lot of the things that we saw in, in those messages was all about gratitude, this importance of it. And Pastor Braden at our OB campus, he talked about the 518 challenge. Did anyone do the 518 challenge where you put a reminder on your phone at 518 uh, to remember to be thankful? I love that challenge. And I was convicted in it because guess who's been complaining about all the stuff that's happening at Scripps? Your boy right here. <laughs> and so that 518 challenge pops up and guess what I've been doing my best to do? When that pops up, go, God, I'm thankful that we just get to do this. And then I think about you because once again, the church is not a building, it's people. And I go, I'm thankful for you. <laughs> As we were singing that song, um, dude, I was just crying, that last song we sang. That he is worthy of it all. Gosh, if we ever lose sight of that, we've missed it. He's worthy of it all. And so Paul is saying, I'm grateful for you, for the people. And at the end of the day, that, that's really what we need. We need each other in, in all of this, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's the truth. Paul, Paul is, of course, thankful for what God is doing in his life and thankful for that, that God would even send his son Jesus to give him the grace he needed. But he's also thankful for you. Mm. Uh, there was a recent study that was, that was done by Syracuse University that said the sing, single greatest predictor of happiness is your relationships. Wow. Mm. I mean, Scripture has already said that for, you know, many years, but it's great that science is there as well. Mm -hmm. The single greatest predictor of happiness is your relationships. And Paul says, you have been so connected with me that I'm experiencing your love for me even in the midst of prison. And prison back then was not like it is today. If Paul saw prison today, he'd, he would go, oh, it's like you're at the Hilton. It's like you're at the Waldorf. You're just chilling. You're fine. <laughs> back then, you had to be responsible for everything that you would ever need. Your food, your cleanliness, your clothing, everything. And so what happened, you would have people around you that loved you, that would care for you and send you care packages and write letters to you. And that's what the Church of Philippi did. So they were, they were there relationally and financially to help, them, help him with some of his needs. But beyond that, Paul begins to thank them relationally, financially, but also missionally. Because I thank you because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. We've been longtime friends, and you've been there every step of the way. Do you have those people in your life? I mean, every step of the way. No matter what it was, no matter how messy it got. I was talking with my wife, Nikki, just yesterday, and she said that she has some people out in D.C. where she's at, and her coworkers who are her interns as well, and they had kind of a disagreement about something. And at the end of their disagreement, they just held hands and said, we still love each other. Mm. I need those people in my life. Yeah. You know, that, that we've had this partnership for so long that, that we just get it. 
In fact, that's, that word partnership is this word koinonia mm. in the Greek. It's a beautiful word. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard the word koinonia? We know it means fellowship. Uh, but, but fellowship doesn't give us the full scope of this beautiful word. Because it's not just fellowship, like food, friends, fun, and fellowship. It's, it's covenantal fellowship that is an intimate unity, not only in mind, but also in purpose. We are with each other, and we are with each other as we move forward. That's what Paul is saying. He says, this relationship that we have together, this fellowship, is one of the best things I could ever experience. And I want you to share it with everyone. But what is the one mind, one spirit, and one focus that we re- need to reset on? One word, Love. Jesus said, we could sum it all up. One word, love. Love God and love other people. And that's what Paul was experiencing with this koinonia. So I wanted to give koinonia the definition I believe it deserves. Uh, So this is the Marcus definition of koinonia. (laughs) Uh, Koinonia means this united, intimate, humble, holy, eternal partnership in the cause of God, sharing the love of God no matter what it takes. That's koinonia. That's what, I, that's what I desire. That's what God desires. That we would be so together that we would be one body just like today. It, it's, it blows my mind, Jared. So cool. we, we didn't plan this. <laughs> I know. No yeah. one could have. No. And as we were talking about this, we both texted each other, Koinonia. Koinonia. Yep. That's what it is. Together. It's not about a building. It is not about a campus. It is not about a lowercase c church. It's about the church, Mm -hmm. the body of Christ together, sharing the love of Christ with other people, no matter what it takes. That every single one of you is necessary. Every single one of you is valuable. Every single one of us is called to do something in the kingdom of God to bring life change. And we're seeing it in God's church. Mm. I I just heard the story from uh, one of our leaders in ministry. They were sharing that there was someone who recently moved to San Diego, didn't want to move to San Diego. Why? Uh, They lived elsewhere, all their family is elsewhere, and they moved to San Diego, met Jesus in San Diego, gave their life to Jesus, got baptized, dedicated their daughter here in San Diego, and now is serving in ministry, and literally said, I feel like God reset my mind by finding him and finding new break. Give yourselves a hand. That's what God did for you. And and this is this is the whole idea. Even if you think I'm, I don't want to be here right now. Neither did Paul. But even in the midst of of the I don't want to and why can't you just? Paul had this amazing trust Mm -hmm. that God is always up to something. Mm -hmm. This is all about our mindset reset with our attitude, Mm -hmm. because your attitude changes your altitude, as Mm -hmm. we like to say. Mm -hmm. You want to go higher and experience greater things and increase your influence? We have to change your attitude, because our attitude changes our disposition how we look, and our vision, how we look. Mm. So my disposition must change. If I know that God is always working, I walk differently, I talk differently, I I look differently, and my vision changes. Where I look, it's completely different. Paul had this, what I like to call, God confidence, this God-fidence in what God was doing. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Which... uh, Pastor Marcus told me this word, and so in the next verse, right, uh, Philippians 1.6, it says, being confident... And Pastor Marcus is like, it's not confident, Jared. It's being Godfident. I'm like, oh, all right, we got it. That's okay. right. That's so Paul, right. he's being Godfident of this. You'll always remember that. Write it in your Bible. Cross out the C and put a G and a D. Well, in it. I mean, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. Now, oftentimes we read uh, verses like this out of context. Mm. Uh, We read this and he goes, oh, he began a good work, which means God's going to do all the good things I want him to do. He's going to carry it out to completion. He's not talking about the good that you want to happen. Woo. 
the good work he is speaking of Uh-oh. is the good work of salvation in you, right? He yes. saves you from you. That's a good thing. And that's when the renewal starts to take place. When he says he's going to carry it on to completion, here's what he's saying. From the moment you say yes to Jesus to the moment you meet Jesus, which I, which I can't wait for that day, yes. you are in process to yes. become a more loving version of you, to become a more caring version of you, to become a more generous person, humble, kind. You're in process, which means your process looks like this. Amen. <laughs> You're not going to be great. Like, it's not going to be an instant, oh, we figured it out. We're <laughs> pastors. We've, we've got it done. But you can have confidence or a Godfidence that he is the one that's at work in you. And how do you get that transformation? Well, you don't do it. God does it. He does it through every second that you're alive, every situation you survive. He's working in you. And you can have confidence in that. And it's really cool to see the transformation that takes place where you're no longer trusting in your ability, but you're trusting in what he can do. Um, And it's cool to see it. You'll see it in you and your kids and your friends. Um, I was even thinking this past week, my kids started at a new school. Uh, I told you guys last week, my wife is an assistant principal at Santa Fe Christian. Uh, And so our kids are all going to Santa Fe Christian this year. And our oldest daughter, Lily, we were going to send her to the school no matter what. Uh, And she's going into middle school right now. And she's in the back right now. She's like, dad, don't talk about me. It's okay. (laughs) I asked her if I could share this. Um, But she's going into middle school. Super thankful for this opportunity. But uh, at the past school that we were at, we loved everything about it. And she had such a strong, solid friend group that did everything together. And so about six months ago, when we, we wrestled with how we're going to tell her that she's switching schools, and when we told her, um, she was so bummed. Because in her head, she was thinking, I'm never going to see these friends again. And I have to go to a new school and do all that work again to find more new friends. And I remember she was just crying. She ran to her room, and we're like, how are we going to work through this? Um, because it's going to be difficult. Um, and so this past week, they had like a new student orientation, uh, and she went to it. And since my wife is the assistant principal, she was bringing Lily around to all the different people and introducing her to everyone. Uh, and when you go to middle school, you get a locker, and you get a locker combination, which, by the way, do you remember your locker combination? I, I thought I did. I don't, 19, 24, 13, but I'm not yeah. sure if that's exactly <laughs> it. It is. It's it. You're yeah, also, 100%. Yeah, that's yeah, it. 19, just, 24, 13. Yeah, you're just making up numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, <laughs> But learning how to do like this new lock and right, and then go over the number and then go back, right? It's complicated. And she was introducing herself to all these new people. And my wife said, Lily's eyes were kind of like, this is so much. And so I was like, how is she going to respond to all this? Uh, and so she comes home after the new student orientation. I said, how'd it go? And she said, it was great. She said, actually, I met a new friend and I invited her to sit with me at lunch on the first day of school. And I was like, okay, how did it go? What did she say? And she said, the friend went, yeah, I'll find you at lunch on Thursday. Let's go do this. And I was like, praise Jesus, right? This is good. Um, but, but if you would have seen my daughter six months ago, she wasn't in that place to be able to move forward and go, I don't want new friends, right? She loved the friends she was with. And to see that transformation take place um, is so encouraging because that's what God does, right? When you have a new mindset about something, this could have been a huge obstacle for my daughter. Going to middle school at a new school is a huge obstacle. <laughs> and she says, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to find new friends, to bless other people. And really, that's what it's about with us. In life, you will face obstacles. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, you may be in a season right now where your obstacle is your kids going to a new school. And you're worried about what tomorrow's going to be. <laughs> One, pray for your kids. Pray for your teachers. Um, it's a big deal. Uh, if you're maybe um, 
This is your first season, maybe you're single again. Trying to navigate relationships or divorce. Um, Getting off addictions. They're all obstacles. But when you allow God to reset your mindset, you don't have to view the obstacle as just a brick wall that you run up against. He will start to do a transformation in you, and at the end of the day, you can view these obstacles really as an opportunity to bless other people, right? That's the point. That's why we're on this planet, right? And so your mindset matters in all of this, because if it's an obstacle, you're just going to stop and give up. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I know that our God does not give up. He will never give up on you, and so you got to keep pushing through. View the obstacle really as an opportunity to bless other people, which is a big deal for all of us and how we go about life, honestly. Right, yeah, yeah I mean, it, all of these obstacles that we may be facing, it, it may feel literally like a prison, like it did for Paul. Mm-hmm. And for Paul, that, that verse that we read, and uh, Pastor Jared and I had just been talking about it in Philippians, he says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. <laughs> Can you imagine that what's happening to you right now Hurricane, uh, whatever you may be walking through, some of the things that Pastor Jared had mentioned, some of the struggles that you may be having, some of the questions or the doubts that you may have right now, when everyone else and even yourself is saying, there's no way that this is going to work out, you say, it's actually going to advance the gospel. It doesn't make sense. The diagnosis doesn't make sense. The hospital visit doesn't make sense. I'm experiencing that right now. My mom is currently watching online at the hospital again. But somehow it's advancing the gospel if we let it. You see, this is the same thing for Paul. Paul would have had these guards that would come around him, and they would have to chain themselves to him. To him. And they'd be chained right next to him. And I'm talking these elite guards. The people knew that when, when Paul was there as a Roman citizen, he needed the highest level of guards because they weren't sure what Paul was going to do. He might pray and the shackles might fall off again. <laughs> so we need him chained up. So they would have these elite guards, these like Navy SEALs or, or green, green berets attached to him at all times who would run eight-hour shifts. These people could do anything at any time they wanted. They're handcuffed to Paul. And I can imagine Paul looking. What's your name? Augusto. Augusto, you ever heard about Jesus, man? And just start having a conversation. He says, yeah, I'm in chains, but you're captive audience. Yep. You're hooked up to me. I got you for eight hours. <laughs> so for the next eight hours, Pastor Jared and I are going to share with you. No, it's not really. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but chained up. He says, I'm going to allow this to be an opportunity for me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and transform people's lives. Mm-hmm. And then that eight-hour shift would end. Next person would come up. And he'd go, what's your name? Yeah. <laughs> Peter. Peter. I used to know someone named Peter, man. Ooh. Uh you ever heard about Jesus? Just start the conversation again. And you were talking, you were wondering, like, yeah, there are people probably like, I don't want to see that Paul guy. But. For sure. But I'm curious, I mean, we know at least one guard, his life was changed forever for Jesus, right? We know that. But you got to wonder, were there any of those guards who were afraid to maybe say, dude, I like what this guy's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, right. when is my next eight-hour shift with that dude? Because I got to hear more. Are you wonder? I don't really know. But the point, like, Paul didn't have to be the closer, right? He didn't have to close yeah. the deal. He wanted to, sure, but he knew he's playing seeds. Yes. And who knows what those Roman guards did, what they said to the other Roman guards as they went through it. But I'm sure there's some conversations that happened. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's, he's, every, everybody knows that I am in chains <laughs> for Christ. Yeah. People began to know. So what about us, our eight-hour shift? Mm. That next person comes up. 
And it's Jan from accounting. <laughs> hey, Jan. And maybe don't start. Have you ever heard about Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> maybe just say, hey, you know, I, I was talking to some friends because we're friends. I was talking to some friends the other day, and they're talking about how we're working on resetting our mindset. Just some thoughts I've been having that I'm trying to work through. You ever have some of those thoughts, Jan? And just watch what happens. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity to bless. For Paul, it was a new guard, new mission field. Mm-hmm. It's a new season, new mission field. New school, new mission field. New road that you're living on, new street, new neighbor, new mission field. But, but how do we bless other people? We want to get really practical as, as we're about to close. This, this idea of how to bless others. This is an acronym that we use uh, to really help us define what blessing looks like. Because blessed people bless people. And we are all blessed, if you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so we should do something with that blessings that would pour, pour out onto other people. This koinonia, this one heart, one mind, one purpose, is to share the love of God with others. And this is how we do it. And the first one, really, really important. Begin with prayer. I've heard it said that prayer is like the electricity that gets us going. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be a Christ follower without prayer is to be alive without breathing. We must be the people that are so connected with God that we pray simple prayers like this in the morning. God, give me an outward focus and an eternal perspective. God, let me see who you want me to see. I like to pray this way. Uh, because at times I can get so narrow-focused and narrow-minded that I just want to go do my thing and execute the next task. I pray this, God, don't let me miss anyone today because I can miss people. God, who do you want me to bless? And and I promise you, God will never say, oh, no one today. Don't worry about it. He's never said that to me. All throughout scripture, he's never said it. Hey, you know what? Don't worry about blessing anyone. Be selfish today. Please be selfish. No. God, who do you want me to bless? Whose life do you want me to impact? Whose life do you want me to change? And then listen. No, I was yeah. going to say, the one thing, too, the enemy, not that anyone here is like, I'm not going to bless anyone. Like, maybe that's not your mindset. But the enemy is so good, he will distract you mm. from the opportunity to bless. Or you're, you're just hurried. It's not like you're thinking, I don't want to bless people. You're just, you're just so hurried, you're distracted, and you miss all the people around you. Mm. And so beginning with prayer is really a bringing awareness to why you're there. Why are you at the shopping center? Why are you at Starbucks? Why are you sitting next to someone you're sitting next to today? Maybe after service, you're going to have a conversation. And you say, hey, do you want to know about Jesus? Or, I, I don't know what it's going to look like. But beginning with prayer, it resets your mind really on, God, who do you want me to see? Right? And right. So just don't get distracted. Uh, that's what the enemy would love to do. Right. It's, yeah. it's so easy. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. And this, this next part, as you're praying, begin to listen to God, but also listen to other people mm-hmm. as you have conversations with them. Do you know the thing people love to hear the most? Their name. Do you know your neighbor's name? I, on my phone, I have a notes app that I literally labeled neighbors, <laughs> and I write down my neighbor's names and their house number, because I forget everything. So if it's not written down, it doesn't happen. Uh, I write down their names, and then I figure out what they do for work. Know their job, know their, know their vocation, and know their next vacation. <laughs> so when you see that Hawaiian shirt, I'm like, hey, Paul, ah, you're going. <laughs> You know, you just begin to know, know their kids' names, know their kids' school, know the flow that they have. Mm-hmm. Begin to listen. Mm-hmm. Begin with prayer and then listen. What's yeah. next? Yeah, and then that E is something that we love to do. How many of you guys like to eat with people? You Praise like to eat Lord. with people? Yeah, yeah. Food is good, right? And so the, the E stands for really having meals together. Eat with them. And now I know, like, our diets are completely different. That's fine. Yes. There's no judgment. A lot um, of veggies over here. Not a lot of veggies here, okay? And that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Uh, but you got to eat with people because there's power in, in meals together. It helps you listen well. It's a common language. You don't have to speak the same language to know people, but you can eat uh, with people and start to listen to their story. 
Um, one of the things that our, our staff would do at Scripps Ranch before, you know, summer hit, because summer throws off all of your rhythms, uh, but one thing we would do uh, once a week is we would have something called tea time. Now, how many guys here, you like tea? You like tea? I thought it was golfing. <laughs> Not I that mean, kind of tea time. that's a different tea time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but tea time... I'm a coffee drinker, okay? And so everyone else on my staff is, uh, they are tea drinkers. And so I'm like, okay, cool. I will try the tea. Uh, but what we would, we would do is we would get together 20 minutes on this one day. Uh, they would make tea for me and they would put like frothed milk and I don't know what was yeah. going on, but they would do all sorts of stuff and we would drink tea. We didn't talk about work. We just hung out and we talked about life. And I'll tell you what, for the season we're in, it was probably one of the most bonding experiences that we would have every single week to say, hey, I'm in it with you. I'm here for you. We would cry in those rooms. We would talk about life. But having tea time was necessary. Meals matter. Another buddy of mine, uh, his name is Sheik, uh, about every six weeks or so, we go to a place up in Mira Mesa called Dave's Hot Chicken. Uh, and we'll just get food and we'll eat together. Here's the weird thing. We don't like hot chicken. I don't know why we chose this place, but we don't like hot chicken. But we go there and we have holy conversations over almost hot chicken. Because <laughs> we get mild. Um, but the food, like, that matters. You eat together and you listen well. And what God will start to reveal to you are opportunities for what this S means to really serve people. And this is why you're on the planet. You're never more like Jesus than when you serve people. But you'll know how to serve them when you listen well. Uh, there's this quote that uh, patients will tell you how you can heal them. Right. Um, they'll tell you how you can heal them. Are you listening? Mm. I'm going to brag on Pastor Marcus here because, uh, Tira Santa, you have an amazing pastor here. <laughs> you Thank do. You. Yeah, you do. Thank you. So, and Scripps Ranch, you have an amazing pastor. <laughs> and Ocean Beach has a great pastor. Hey, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is just a party, dude. <laughs> So, we're off. Where were we? Oh, yeah, yeah, sir. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Marcus, here's what I love. So, we, I mean, we just talk about life. He's one of my best friends. And we were talking, and I was sharing about, you know, our kids starting a new school. And uh, my rhythm, this is the first time in 10 years that I'm not doing school drop-off. Um, and so I've done it every single day for however long. So my wife is taking the kids. And so I have this morning where it's like, I don't know what to do with myself. And so I get to kind of go deeper into my study of Scripture and my prayer time. And I was just telling them about all this stuff. It's a new rhythm for us. Um, and so the other day, um, on my desk was, uh, this Bible. And if you know anything about Pastor Marcus, he has 6 million Bibles at his house. Yeah. He has an addiction to the Bible, which is probably not, a, that's a great addiction yeah, to have. There's been other things, yeah. but I stick to this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he gave me, uh, this Bible, which is goat skin. It's yes, a preacher's it Bible. It smells like baseball gloves. And yes, I just love this thing. Uh, and he gave it to me and he said, Jared, um, you were saying that you're going to have time to study scripture more in the morning. And so I want to give you a new Bible for you to study out of. And I was like, what? I, I didn't ask him for the Bible, but he listened well. And he said, you know what? Here's a gift. Uh, and to be able to do that is is, an, is a skill, right? You have to learn how to do it. But that's what God wants for all of us. Listen well. They'll tell you <laughs> how to heal them. And so I'm super thankful to this Bible. I've been sniffing it all the time. And it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. But, but serving, that's why we do. And I know you guys just had an opportunity to serve uh, your community. How, how did everything go with that? Yeah, we just, we just served with uh, Friends of Tierra Santa Canyons. And Pastor Brooks kind of shared a little bit about that. And as we're there, uh, there's a picture of us before. Look at this group. You hey guys look great. Come on. Uh, and here's a picture during... As we're kind of getting the logistics, figuring out what we're about to do, uh, I'm just going to call out, none of us knew what we were about to do. <laughs> Friends of Tierra Santa Canyons, we were just ready to serve. And they're like, okay, come, you're going to be there. And then this is us 
afterwards, the crew kind of got a little smaller, <laughs> praise the Lord, right? Uh, but we were, we were actually picking, picking weeds, and we were getting rid of all the invasive species, is what the person of uh, Friends of Tears, Santa Canyons, were telling us. You get rid of the invasive species, and it actually allows you to raise up the water level that is there to provide more life for the wildlife that comes through. And I started to think, and as she said it, uh, Pastor Brooks and Pastor Mara right, right next to me, I said, that's a sermon. <laughs> and I said, I wonder how many people we talk to that kind of like they'll tell you how to heal them. They're sharing with you the weeds in their life that are stopping the flow of what the living water wants to do in them. And you just need to go. It's going to take work and pick some weeds. Yeah. There might be a bug bite or two, right? But I need to pick some weeds to remove what's getting in the way and blocking from what God wants to do. And so that's what we did, and I love being able to serve. And as we were serving, we were there right next to each other sharing stories. And this is the last S. This is how you do it. And if you're thinking, well, I'm not sure how to tell my God story, I, I want to give you this very quick, practical way to do it. Uh, just think, before Christ, I like to say B.C. And then find Christ, F.C. And then W.C., with Christ. Before Christ, how I found Christ, and what my life is like with Christ. Can I give you a pro tip? Some, spend more time on the last two. <laughs> Don't be like, well, let me tell you how it was back in 14, 15. No, like, come on. <laughs> I want to know this person who is, who is questioning God, they want to know what is different about your life now. Yeah. And how are you waking up differently? How do you have this joy? Why are you not living in fear? What is different about you? Share that and watch what happens. And I wanted to share a story with you what's been happening here within God's church. I got this message from Brooks last week. He said, Lisa, one of our people who co-leads in our groups, with Bev. She texted me out of the blue and said, do I know anyone who needs a washing machine? <laughs> she said she felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. There was a resetting going on in her several times to reach out. She said she could have sold this washing machine for a good amount of money because it was brand new, but she felt that there was someone who would need it. So Brooks told her, hey, someone actually had been asking. Their family had been going through a really difficult time and their washing machine broke and they didn't have the finances to just get another washing machine. They didn't know what they were going to do. With kids and family, what are we going to do? Brooke said, I immediately called that person and told them God heard their prayers. You know how important that phrase is? Mm -hmm. God heard your prayers and had a new washing machine for them. Hey. Think, about, think about how wild it is. Could you imagine calling a church, hey, do you have a washing machine? <laughs> no. Hey, is there someone that is moved by the Holy Spirit to do something that no one on earth would ever do? Yeah, we have those people. They're called Christ followers and new breakers. So Brooks reached out to a guy named Rick, who also leads one of our police and first responders life groups, asked for his help. Reached out to Dan, who Dan has enough muscles to pick up the washing machine just by himself. They hooked it up, got it working, tested it out. And then afterwards, they surrounded this family and begun, began to pray for that family. Begin with prayer. They listen to a need. Their life group, the men's group, they eat together every single Tuesday. They serve together. And now they have a story to tell that can truly change lives. And even at first, if it's not, you know, I'm going to make this person immediately know everything they need to know about Jesus. You may not be the only person planting a seed. Um, we believe that it may take like eight to ten people. You may be number three. You may be number four. Not all of us get to be number eight. Maybe you just put a rock in their shoe that caused them to think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and once again, it's, it's a process. Um, you're not going to be perfect at this. None of us are. But it's the willingness to say, God, would you renew me every single day? 
renew my mind. I don't want to think the way I always thought. Because <laughs> I want those old habits to go away. And, you know, Paul would even tell us uh, in 2 Corinthians, he would say, don't lose heart. How many of you have ever wanted to lose heart? You've, you've given up. Ah, no one's coming to church with me. He says, don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away. Look at this. Inwardly we are being renewed. How? Day by day. Church, it's an everyday process. My encouragement to all of us as we, as we wrap up here is... Um, Begin your week in worship. I want to encourage you, the next four weeks, right? We're, we're starting this series. I want to challenge you to come the next four weeks. Reset your mindset. Reset your week and say, God, I'm here to do whatever you ask me to do. And then be willing to respond. Once again, your mind creates thoughts. Your thoughts create actions. Your actions turn into habits. Your habits reveal your health. Where's your health at? So I want to pray today for you. Pray for us. That God would reset our mindset. Uh, and so as we do that, I just want to encourage you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this prayer for you. But would you do this? Would you put your hands out? Would you just receive in this moment? We're going to pray for God to renew us today, renew our mind, and see what he does in us. So Father, we pray for the renewing of our minds. God, we want to think like you. We want to see things the way you see them. God, we want our perspective to be your perspective. God, we know that our mind isn't always in alignment with yours, and so we need your help to reset that. So God, we're open to your guidance. We're open to your healing. We're open to your leading. We want to be transformed by you and have our mind renewed in the process. So God, we're ready. God, as we go to school with our kids tomorrow, as we go to our meetings, as we go to our job, Make us aware of why we are there. So God, we give you our lives. We know that without you, none of this is possible. And at the end of the day, we say, whether the circumstances are good or bad, you are worthy of everything. And we give it all to you. Father, we love you so much. And thanks for a chance to be here today and to build your kingdom. God, use us. We're willing. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Thanks, church.